This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. I really feel that's something that, uh, that the church in our nation needs to hear right now. You know, so I want to actually want to tackle um, the challenge of fear of anxiety, fear around our nation, fear for the future. There's so many people I'm speaking to that are really, really battling, terrified about the future for their children, for themselves, like worried about a country, land expropriation with, hallelujah, a lot of challenges. And uh, so I want to tackle that topic, but I want to specifically speak about this in the context of you know, dreaming with God. This is the series we're looking at, and about fulfilling your your destiny. Okay, so we, we we're looking at Joseph's story, and uh, and Joseph, when he was seventeen years old, he had a dream from God that he would be like a king, that all of his uh, that his brothers, his eleven brothers, would bow before him. His parents would bow before him. He he, he had he had this dream of greatness, but then things went south very quickly. He was, his brothers hated him. He was sold into slavery. He um, and, uh, became a slave and then later was put into jail for another quite a few years into jail. And, and uh, it, was, it was a really tough journey that he went through before God supernaturally promoted him to the second in command in the, in the nation or the empire of Egypt. And uh, things turned around mightily, but there was a journey that he needed to walk on. And so I've been thinking about this whole process about pursuing your destiny, and I realize how the, the enemy tries to intimidate us. He tries to intimidate you. Many people have dreams. Many people have ideas, whatever it might be. They have ideas, and then they start on that journey. At some point, fear takes over. They back away, whatever the, the, the challenge might be. So, so about uh, 2012... We started on this journey of pursuing more of God. And so beginning 2013, we felt the Lord lead us to India for a missions trip. Yay, Ashley, yes. So I was completely freaked out, to be honest. I was freaked out. I was so intimidated with this whole thing about going to India. I was thinking 300 million gods or something like that. So there's like a lot of demons. There's a lot of demons in India. So I was freaked out. I didn't know what to do with this. And, uh, and we went there, and I was pleasantly surprised that God is powerful. Jesus is powerful everywhere. Come on, say amen. Jesus is powerful everywhere. So we went to India. I went to India a second time. And next time, we even clapped the devil around more than before. It was amazing. It was beautiful. I realized that we don't need to fear the enemy. We don't need to fear the devil. We don't need to fear what the, the, the darkness. You know, we, Jesus is amazing. And so after that, on my way back from India, I felt the Lord say, go to Argentina. So we went to Argentina uh, in 2015, April 2015. Had an awesome time. God was moving. Miracles were happening. The church we were at was rocked. And I mean, they had a, have a special the service just for all the testimonies, people getting healed and saved and set free. It was amazing. I was so stoked. So we went to the, air, to the, to the airport and uh, we we're flying back out. We we're excited. And now Rion is one of our elders in church. I don't know if you've known, he's a big guy. He normally sits in the morning service left over there, but he's a big guy. And, uh, and he was mocking me. 
because I had this money belt thing around my waist under my clothes, passports, credit card, all those type of things. And he was like, you know, real men don't do that, you know. So he spoke to my male ego. So I'm like, man, we had an awesome week. God is with us. So I took it off, put it into my rucksack, and now we booked in our luggage. We're about to go through the gates. We sit down at this coffee shop, and we laugh, and we joke. I put down my bag next to my leg like that, and I was laughing, joking, and a minute later, I looked down, and I was like, my bag was gone. <sighs> I'm still working through it. <laughs> so now I jump up. I can't tell you it's the worst, one of the worst moments of my life. You jump up and you, I start running around the airport trying to figure out who is the thief that took my bag. So I'm freaking out. I'm starting to contemplate the implications of not having a passport. And I'm f- like freaked out. I'm fighting with God and say, Lord, you've, you worked so powerfully this whole week. We saw miracles. We saw signs and wonders. You revealed to me words of knowledge. I knew things about people that were absolutely supernatural. There is no way I could have known these things. God, I heard your voice. Why didn't you tell me to hold on to the bag? Why didn't you tell me? And So I'm like fighting with the Lord. And then he says to me, I hear the voice on the inside. God saying to me, I have a plan. And I respond, well, this plan sucks. Sucks. This is a terrible plan. It's a terrible plan. I don't like this. You see, my wife and I, we incredibly focused people. We do money bag under the clothes. If it wasn't for Rion mocking me, I ripped him this morning. You know, it's all his fault. But, uh, but the Lord then, then in the, the, the team left. There's just the one girl that stayed behind. She had a credit card still. I was without money. I was out passport. And, and in that, the Lord spoke to me, and he said to me, Andre, I want to set you and Sonica free from fear. Because I cannot take you where I need to take you if you have this fear in your heart. So I went through a process of deliverance. It took me, I didn't sleep for the next 50 hours, got back into the country. The next two weeks, I, I couldn't sleep. I, I, I sleep really well. I really thought, like, I'm never going to sleep again. Really, it was terrible. Sonica didn't sleep for about nine weeks, just a few hours a night, but for nine weeks was chaos. But in that time, I was praying and seeking the face of God and worshiping and, and, and really just praising into God. And in that season, the Lord began to open doors for us into Brazil. So then we went to Rio de Janeiro, and I had before I went there, I, we had this... Um, this interview with the pastors of, of the Apostle Ari and the other pastors. So it was a very intimidating Skype meeting. I'm like, they were like, who are you? Why do you want to come? And then I just started to share stories with them of all the miracles that's been happening in Argentina and other places. And they're like, cool, come. And when they had sort of someone, we knew somebody in between us. And they, this guy said, I'm cool. So they were like, okay. Those two things, awesome. So they upgrade the meeting to an international revival conference. And I am the speaker. I was so freaked out. I mean, they made this, you must watch the video. It's like, wow, they made this incredible video. It's just like fire and clouds and wind and glory. And I'm like, and then my face. Oh, no. And then one of the pastors on our national pastors group, they got it and they posted on the pastors group. So all the pastors saw like 50 plus pastors seeing me, glory, cloud. And I'm like, guys, 
I don't know what's going on, but I'm going. So I'm stepping out, and again, I'm on my knees for another few months, freaked out, so intimidated, but God, I know this is you, so I'm going to step out. So now we get to Rio de Janeiro where there's revival conference and people coming, worship team coming from another part of the nation. I mean, it is, this is serious stuff. I'm like, oh, and they've got massive expectation. I'm like, who the heck am I to come and do this? I'm, my, my, my past, my track record is I have nothing really to go on, you know, but I know God is doing something and I'm on this journey of, un, of discovering the dream of, of unlocking the, my destiny of what God has called me to. And so now we in Rio de Janeiro and the Lord says to me at the beginning of the week, I'm going to open a massive door to you in this week. But now at the same time, we had massive opposition. So we had two armed robberies in one week. So the guys that picked me and Sonica up at the airport, they, they, he picked up so the, the worship team from Sao Paulo who came with all the musical instruments. And, and so he went, took it to the church compound and he, he stopped at the gate, broad daylight, five o'clock-ish. And the team was like, they, they, the windows where the team was sleeping was just next, left of this, these gates. And, he, and, and, and suddenly two guys jump out with guns and they hijack the car. Now, there's an undercover police officer walking down the street. He sees this. He rips out his gun, and he starts shooting. And the team is like, they're hearing this stuff. Eh? You were there. And Ashley was extremely cool and calm and collected. She wasn't freaking out. <laughs> well, most were freaking out. We were like, man, this is serious. So they, they wound some of these guys. They crash the car around the corner. They get the instruments back. It's the second night of the revival conference, and now we are focused. Because we know this is, this, is, this is serious stuff. There's opposition. The, this has never happened at that church in broad daylight. So now, the week goes on. Incredible things start happening. Two, what, 200 plus people physically healed. A lot of people committing their lives to Christ. Amazing things are happening, like things I have never seen before. Amazing things. So the last night, Thursday night, we drive back. We were outside of Rio, this tent meeting... God was moving powerfully, and I was super blessed. So Sonic and I were in the car. The apostle's son is driving the, the car. We're driving back to Rio. It's like an hour, hour and a half drive. Now I am thinking, I'm listening to worship music. I'm God, you're amazing. My passport is in a safe somewhere. Thank you, Jesus. And now I'm remembering that April of that year, I was robbed on the airport. So I'm like, Andre, focus, boyki. You need to focus. I even hold my bag a little bit tighter. You know, not gonna, I'm not going to have anybody just take my stuff again. No ways. So around 1 o'clock, we stop there uh, at the house we were staying. We get out. We take some of our uh, gifts, and we hug the pastor, apostle's son, wonderful worship leader. I see a car stop in the corner of my eye, and a guy jumps out with a gun in his hand, and he holds the gun to my face. And I'm like, what? No, man. So, hand over my bag, my tablet gets stolen again, and he drives off with a car, the 50,000 rand guitar, my stuff, my bag, my phone, Sonica's phone, and, and there we stand, one o'clock at night in Rio de Janeiro, and we were robbed again. Hallelujah. What a moment. You know, and, and so Sonica, I was like, this is freaky. I was okay. Sonic was a little bit more shaken, 
prayed with her the next morning. But the next morning, the, the Apostle Ari, he put me on a Skype call with a pastor in Manaus church of 6,000 people. And, and they said, come. And that was the massive open door that the Lord wanted to do. But I realized in my journey of unlocking identity and my calling and, and my walk with God, and, and this is for all of us, there will be opposition. The enemy will come against us because why? He wants to intimidate you into stop it. Sit in the corner and just stop it. Stop stepping out. Stop trusting. Stop believing. Stop proclaiming that Jesus heals and delivers and saves. Just stop it, man. Sit at home. Do squat. That's what the enemy wants to do. And I believe at this very moment, there is a Goliath spirit intimidating the church of Jesus Christ in this nation. It's a spirit of fear that is trying to intimidate us to sit in a corner, to shut up, and to be afraid. That's what the enemy wants to do. I mean, look at this. This is uh, David and Goliath. Um, 1 Samuel 17, verse 10 and 11. uh, This says, the Philistine said, I defy. I mean, this massive guy, sword, shield, and everything else he had. He was incredibly intimidating, almost almost three meters tall or something like that. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard, heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. And I believe that is what is happening right now in our nation. There's a spirit of fear spreading through our nation. I'm speaking to person upon person upon person. They are terrified of what's coming, of what's going to happen. Is, are things going to go wrong? Are things going to go south? Is there going to be a genocide in our country? Are, are, are the whites going to be killed? Or what's going to happen? So a lot of people are afraid. Our property going to be taken away? And so what's happening is that the church is becoming, a lot of people are extremely negative and extremely fearful. And you know, when we become fearful, the enemy wins. Because when you are fearful, you get disconnected from the power of God. So that's the trick of the enemy. He's trying to neutralize the body of Christ, the church in this nation. You see, if the bride, the, the church, we are sufficient people in this nation to turn this land for good. We are. But if we are fearful, the kingdom cannot come. The enemy actually wins. Fear becomes a self-fulfilled prophecy. But if there's faith, we can release the kingdom of God into our, into our country, into our land. So then later on with the story of, Sam, of, of David and Goliath in verse 29, it says, this, I mean, this young man, a 16-year-old, all the mature, responsible men of God, the soldiers, they were shaking. And then a boy comes onto the scene who doesn't know better. He's not been, been trained sufficiently to be disillusioned and unbelieving. Because that's what happens with life. We get trained to be fearful and unbelieving. And, and it says in verse 29, and David said, now after he's like, even his brother, his own brother says, David, who the heck do you think you are? Go back to your few little sheep and shut up. That was basically what he was saying. You know, and so the same way people will do that to those who really believe. Because we shouldn't be so naive, should we? 
No, I think we should. We should believe with all our hearts that our God is mighty and powerful. And so it says, and David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Is there not a mission? Is there not a purpose? And this is one of the keys. It's part of our, if you look at our DNA there, the A stands for apostolic mission. It's one of our three values. This is how we together live out the fullness of Christ. We live, build our lives around the divine presence of God. We nurture relationships like I shared last week. That when you discover your people, you will discover your destiny. And then you need to have a mission. A mission that's not built around your own life, but built around people that God loves. How do you, how do you break out of fear? How do we break out of fear? Because a lot of people are paralyzed by fear currently. How do we break out of fear? It's like, no, don't fear. Don't fear. Don't fear. No. I realized this week, that is not how you break out of it. You break out of, out of it by loving others. By loving others, by having a deep, deep compassion for other people. You know, and Angus Buchan is an is amazing example of this. He's a wonderful man of God. I've met him a few times personally um, before he was famous and after he became famous. And he just loves people so well. He, he cares about everybody. It's like it's the nobody. He, he, really, he, he really, really loves people. He's got this incredible compassion. So they had this prayer meeting in Cape Town at Mitchell's Plain. Now, Mitchell's Plain is like the gangster area of the Cape. And so they had this prayer meeting in April, and everybody was telling him, Angus, you're gonna, the people are going to get robbed. It's going to be a stuff-up, basically. It's going to be a mess. You can't do a prayer meeting there. Not there. But he went ahead because he felt this is what God is saying. So we're going to have a prayer meeting there. So I spoke to Pastor Sias, who's our pastor in the show for Stellenbosch, and a good friend of Angus. They're like very, very good friends. So he shared with me what actually happened at the prayer meeting. So he said they, they found out there are a bunch of gangsters that wanted to come and rob the people. So they, they were outside the crowd of people, and then they walked into the crowd wanting to steal things and rob people. And as they walked into the crowd, they say their feet started to burn. So they ran out again. <laughs> then they felt better. Then they tried again, they go, and they, their feet got hot again, so they ran out again. I think that at least two, twice happened, maybe three times. But after the third time, they went forward and they committed their lives to Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand for that. I mean, that's just amazing. And they say there were no crime on that day in that area. No crime. Why? Because God was in the place. God was moving in the place. I want to stir your faith tonight. Do not accept the current state of our land. Do not accept it. This is not the will of God. If there's revival in this land, crime will go down. And so God is needing and looking for a church, the bride of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, that is full of faith. This country needs us to be fearless. Absolutely fearless. Even when we have fear, you need to break through it. Still go and do it. Go and love somebody. So I felt the Lord asked me this question this morning while we were praying. I felt the Holy Spirit asked me this question. So what makes you different from any other unbeliever if you are just as afraid and just as paranoid? 
What makes you different? What sets us apart? We become just like the rest, spreading a cancer, spreading poison, spreading negativity, spreading fear, spreading hatred. No, the church must rise. Brett Peterson had a word this morning, vision during worship. He saw like a, a, a lighthouse. And he said he saw a dark land. And then he says that as we were worshiping and as, you know, he says this light began to spread all across the land. The whole land became light. And then he saw a lion on top of that, that lighthouse, the lion of Judah. Praise God. Who is with us? It is time for us to intimidate the intimidator. Amen. I mean, I, I, I don't believe that the more people that's in a prayer meeting, the more powerful it is. I don't believe that. I believe they need to be faithful prayer to make it powerful. And I know that Angus Buchan is a man of faith. So when he calls a prayer meeting, the kingdom's going to come. So I want to encourage you, there's another now's the time thing coming. He's going to have another massive, massive prayer meeting. I want to challenge us to go. Be, get there. Be part of it. And not only pray there, but start praying now. Now. God is wanting to turn our land around, but he needs a church that's full of faith. Come on, let's say it. I renounce unbelief. Come on, say it. I renounce fear in Jesus' name. What does fear stand for? F-E-A-R. It stands for false evidence appearing real. It's false reports. I want to proclaim it to you today. I've been just reading about the history of, like, say, last 150 years or so. And, and in terms of the white people, I can say about in 1850, we were terrified we we're going to be killed by everybody, by the, by the, by the rest of the nation. Uh, in the uh, 1950s, we were terrified we, the whites going to be run into the sea. 1994, we were all buying little, you know, food parcels, and we're gonna, they're gonna, now they're going to kill us. And now, boom, we're back there again. They know now, now, now. Nonsense. God is with us. His hand is on this land. We will not be another Zimbabwe in Jesus' name. I renounce that lie. I renounce that lie. And I know there are people proclaiming negativity and genocide and a whole lot of rubbish. But I want to say to you, uh, uh, Julius Malema is an angry baby. Our God's going to clap him around in Jesus' name. Who the heck is this man to tell us what God's going to do in this land? He can't, he can't do nothing when God is control of the land. I want to proclaim this over you. Renounce the lies. Who the heck is one man or ten or a thousand to say what's going to happen, what's going down in our country? Jesus will determine what's going to happen in our country. But we need to be full of faith so that we can pray with passion so that God can move. Amen. So I, I rebuke those lies that so many of us are receiving. So the enemy is trying to divide white and black and color. He's trying to divide us, to mistrust, to hate. I tell you, if you want to you kill your fears, get compassion for others. Get a mission. Get a mission that you know why you are here, why you, what you exist for. 
You can't be on the defense. You can't like me and my little group, we're going to sit in the corner. That doesn't work. Last time I checked, you can't threaten a believer with heaven. Going to kill you. Oh, thank you. Hallelujah. I want to be with God. You know, when the guy had that gun to my face, I, I was like, I mean, obviously you, you, know, you didn't expect this. You worked through it, but it's actually not so bad to have a gun to your face. Especially when you have a word from the Lord that says, Andre, you're going to do all these things for my name. If I have a word about the future, it means I have a future. If you have a word for your life, that means you have a future. Everything's dealt with from here to that word because God is with you. Same thing with David and Goliath. David had a prophecy. David, you're going to be the next king. So on that day before Goliath, David was like saying, dude, bad news. I'm not king yet. You're so dead. You are so dead. You are in my way. I have a word from the God of heaven, and he is in control. I want to scare your fears in Jesus' name. Eh? Come on. Get, get it out of your life and begin living. If you, when you're living in fear, you are not living. I would rather die believing than live in unbelief. Because living in unbelief is not living. It is a horrible place to be. Amen. Come on, let's say it. I, will, I renounce fear. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, um, we're really trusting the Lord to, to release faith on the inside of us. Who are you going to believe, God or man's opinion? God's hand is upon our land, and he's going to move so powerfully. So 1 John 4 verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear is a demon. I want to say it. It's this Goliath giant, but God wants you to cut its head off in your life. Don't receive it. Don't be intimidated anymore. God has not given us a spirit of timidity so it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Amen. So I want to ask you a question. A question the Lord asked me beginning last year, before I was appointed to our, our, our national apostolic team. The Lord asked me this question, Andre, can I trust you? Can I trust you? Can I trust you? And I've been meditating on that question and praying through that question, and it, it, it entails so much. But I believe that God can only trust a man who trusts in him. God can only trust a woman that trusts in him. If you are fearful, you're going to move outside of the will of God. When you are fearful, you're not going to do the will of God. So you need to deal with your fears. And yes, sometimes we have fear, but you can still break through it and still do it. Still do it. Still go through, do, do the will of God. So, you know, something the Lord also showed me is that he, he said to me, I must first do a deep work within you before I can do a great work through you. I must first do a deep work within you before I can do a great work through you. In other words, you need to get free from your fears. How do you get free from your fear? By compassion. You overwhelm. Your fear, because love compels us. Love compels us. Who cares what people think? Because when you're full of love, you want to love somebody. 
and I've been on this mission over the last bunch of years. I'm just like, God, I, ah, I'm getting opposition, and ah, I'm getting criticism, and ah, I'm getting all these things. I'm like, God, but I just want to, for the sake of people, for the sake of the lost, for the sake of those who don't know you, God, I'm going to just do this. Who the heck cares what people think? Compassion. Compassion. God wants to give us compassion. I believe that love conquers all. Love conquers our fears. It is time for the church of Jesus Christ to rise up with love. Love conquers all. Love conquers all. You cannot threaten a Christian with heaven. We are not victims of other people's behavior. We do not respond to hatred and anger with the same. We come in the opposite spirit. And that is what God is calling us. And I want to challenge us with arts for people. I mean, look into the eyes of someone that is different than you. Different class, different skin color, different whatever. Look into their eyes and see a human being that God loves. Even if they might be angry, even if they might be in bad space, God loves them. We don't hate people, but we don't like the demon behind some people. And that devil we need to club through prayer. Through faith and through love, we conquer. We overwhelm hatred with love. So that's a bit of homework for you for this week. But I saw this with Joseph's life. If you, if you read the story, he went through hell. And God took him through a journey, not only to give him a position, but also to get his heart into the right space, the right place. I mean, imagine this, Joseph becoming the second in command of this empire. He's promoted to king status. <clears throat> and now what happens, if you read the, the, in Genesis, the, the, his brothers come, and they don't recognize him, and they don't realize who he is. Now, if there was hatred and bitterness in his heart, what would have happened? He would have slaughtered them because he has the power. He has the power to do revenge. He has the power to abuse. He has the power to throw into prison. He has the power to torture. And I believe that's what God asks every one of us. Can I trust you? Can I trust you when you are in positions of authority or influence and you can now do to others and hurt them? Will you? Will you forgive? Will you love well? <clears throat> so I want to take us to, uh, to the, 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 you can skip down to the last verse, Genesis. Uh, do you want to end off with this? Genesis 45. But I know that when we love, I'm going to read that in a moment, but when, you, you can maybe just take it, anyway, I'll, I'll just share this, is that if we love people, we will step over the chicken line. We will step out of fear. When we love people, we will have real compassion and not only sympathy. What is the difference between compassion and sympathy? Sympathy says, hey, I'm sorry for you, but I'm not going to really do anything about it. You know, when Jesus, it says, and Jesus had compassion. What did, what did he do? He had compassion, then he healed everybody. He had compassion, and he changed lives. He had compassion, and he made a way. Sympathy is, hey, Jesus, if Jesus had sympathy, he'd say, hey, here's a crutch. No, he had real compassion. He said, I'm going to make a way for you. Be healed in my name. Compassion makes a sol brings a solution. And
And I believe that is what God wants his church to embrace. Even as Jeremy Coward, he used his skill set, his work to bring change, impacting nations. Just a photographer that used what he had to have $10 billion provided for Haiti, or maybe it would have been five, and now it's 10. Who knows? You know, but God wants to work through your work environment. You need to get a, a mission that is other people-centered. Cannot be just about yourself. So look at this verse, ending off with this verse. Now, this is where Joseph reveals himself to his, to his brothers. And, and just before this verse starts, it's like he, 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 he sort of shows them it's him, and he tells all the servants, go out, and then he weeps loudly, like, loudly because he's he's so broken about seeing his brothers again and, and wanting to to connect with them and so he says and joseph said to his brothers please come near to me so they came near then he said i am joseph your brother whom you sold into egypt but now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Can you see that? That his heart in the right space. There's not bitterness there. Then he says, for God sent me before you to preserve life. No, no, Joseph, your brothers hated you and they sold you into slavery. But they says, no, God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years... The famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And verse 7, and God sent me before you. Again, and God sent me. Come on, say God. And God sent me before you to preserve a remnant for you in the earth and to save your lives. Your lives by a great deliverance. So now, verse 8, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Yeah, this is powerful. Joseph is like, God, but God, but God. God promoted me. God sent me. God brought me. God made me like God, like a father to Pharaoh, to direct the, and God has used me to save a nation. God has called me to save your lives through great deliverance. Now think about this for a moment. They hated him. They despised him. They rejected him. They cast him into a pit, and they sold, them into, sold him into slavery. And he turns around and he said, God sent me to save you. Does it sound familiar? Anybody else that you can think of that the same thing happened, just worse? They rejected him. They despised him. They cussed him. They whipped him. They beat him, and they crucified him. And he hung on that cross, and he saved those who hated him. This is so powerful. This is so powerful. This is the gospel. This is what Jesus did for you and me. Those who, who hated him, who despised him. And he turns around and he saves us. I believe that 
is the key. We need to become the embodiment of the gospel of Jesus Christ in this nation. That those who would hate us, those are the people God has called us to save. God has called us to love. God has called us to forgive. God has called us to bless. God has called us to believe. Hate the devil, love the person. Amen. The enemy is trying to divide us between races and colors. He's trying to divide our nation because a divided nation is a destroyed nation. The church of Jesus Christ is called to unite. It begins with you and me. Do not allow hatred. Do not allow unforgiveness. Do not allow fear to, to grip our hearts. But to allow the compassion of Jesus Christ to grip our hearts. And say, man, I'm going to make extra effort with those who are different to me. In my work environment. In my community environment. Wherever I am. I'm going to love passionately. Do you know what the enemy wants to do? He wants to bring fear. And then fear becomes the filter through which we look. And then we will despise one another. Compassion, open our eyes to see, man, Jesus loves you so much. Julius, Jesus is Lifio Buddha. God loves you. God loves you. And that is what God is calling us, that we would love those in government that are making mistakes or people who are saying things that are divisive and stirring up fear and anger. You know, I said this last week. Uh, what do we normally say when things go bad? Life isn't fair. Who the heck wants life to be fair? If life is fair, every one of us here would go straight to hell. That's fair. That's fair. We've all sinned. We've all sinned. We've all done wrong. Fair is God the judge sending us to hell. That's fair. But praise God, life isn't fair. Because we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we get what Jesus deserves. That is good news. We get what Jesus deserves. He deserves heaven. Now we get it. He deserves the power of the Holy Spirit. Now we get it. He deserves the blessing and provision of, the, of God Almighty. Now we get it because we put our trust in Jesus Christ. Amen. So God calls us to love well. Let compassion overwhelm your fears. It's the only way. It's the only way if you want to see your destiny fulfilled. If you want to see the dream that God has for you fulfilled. God used people that hated Joseph to send him to Egypt so that he could save them. Ah, God is amazing. Isn't it? Isn't it amazing? Guys, if the people in Rwanda can forgive, we can forgive. We can love. Best Friends, still. And we battle to love. Come on. Let's really love like God wants us to love. I believe God wants to touch our hearts tonight to renew us from the inside out so that we may love well and have compassion and see the hand of God move in this nation. I tell you, the kingdom of God is coming. I see this in Brazil. It's the mixed nation. It says there's a lot of crime, a lot of chaos, and incredible miracles and incredible revival happening. In the same way, in this nation now, we are being set up for a revival like this land has never seen before. But you need to believe in. And you need to take that belief to the prayer room. Pray passionately 
faithful praise, proclaiming life over this land. And there's a whole lot of people who want to flood to or flee to Australia or New Zealand. They're not going to have revival. God's hand is on this land. And you have no right. When you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have no right to flee to another nation unless God tells you to. You have no right to do what you want to do. You've given your life to Christ, haven't you? You've surrendered your life. You said, God, I'm going to take up my cross. I am here to do your bidding, Lord Jesus. I've sung those songs so many times, Lord. So here I am, fleeing to Australia. No. In Jesus' name, no, unless God sends you. If you go because of fear, it is not Jesus sending you. Fear will not lead us. Faith leads us. Joy leads us. Amen. Come on, let's say it. I'm not going to allow fear to tell me what I can do or can't do. I will do it by faith in the living God. So my question to you is, can God trust you to allow him to heal and restore your heart? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.